that we'll have some time of worship after, uh, after a little bit of a video here, and then um, Pastor Jim and I will kind of talk a little bit on worship and prayer and what that, that relationship looks like and how, how really powerful it is um, in the corporate setting. You know, I think that there's times where we... I was talking with uh, Tony this afternoon just about how you, you hear the word worship in this setting, and maybe it's just me because I'm a music geek, um, but I think worship, I think music, right? Um, I th there's, we know, though, that's, that's not all it is. Um, there's you know, the living sacrifice, the things that we do every, every week, every, um, every moment of our lives, it's the breathing uh, in and out and everything that God is doing in front of us that, that's worship. Um, but, it, but I guess what I want to look at tonight a little bit in that context is, you know, when you walk in to our setting. And I, and it, and I know that worship is just this huge, it's a, a huge thing to talk through and try to, you know, uh, talk through every dynamic in one, in one sitting. And, and, uh, but it's, it's this that we've just been doing and what we'll do here um, next. And just what the power of that, I guess. And, and where we draw our strength and the miraculous um, things that happen in this setting. Um, and so, uh, so that's why I kind of want to just cast the vision for that. Um, it's this video that I want to show. Um, there may be a point in the video you're like, I don't get how this works in worship. But, um, but if you open your Bibles, um, just in this, you know, before we watch the video and just... Um, as you, maybe as you're watching the video or thinking, it's Colossians 2, um, 6 and 7. Um, so if you want, you put that up there just for right now, just so that, yeah, 2, 6 through 7. That's really small, sorry. Colossians 2, 6 through 7. Um, but uh, but it's, it's the passage that says we're rooted in Christ, established in faith in all things, just this thanksgiving um, that we give. Um, and so... Um, as you watch this video, just, just meditate on that, ponder that, um, and, and watch this video here. Vocal therapy wasn't helping, so at the end of a year of that, 
I said to my wife, honey, it just seems to me there's so much mystery surrounding this thing. It seems to me it's more than just a natural thing that has happened. I think there's something spiritual going on here. And I said to her, God got Joseph into prison. God got Joseph out of prison. If you're okay with it, I would like to go with God from now on. I was pastoring at the time and my pain levels were increasing. My strength was decreasing and I was reading the writing on the wall. It's over. And I'm in such distress because I don't have a theology for something like this. How can you be giving yourself fully to the Lord, walking in obedience, being a fruitful in ministry, and take a hit on something that's taking you out of everything God's called you to? I mean, my theology says that giftings and callings of God are irrevocable. And so I'm in the crisis of my life. Coming into 1994, it's two years after the injury, and I'm in so much pain. Every word hurts, and I'm trying to be faithful as a pastor, and I'm in such distress, I cannot go on any longer. I'm just saying, Lord, just let me quit, let me resign and crawl into a hole somewhere, and God will not let me resign. What do you do when you can't quit? of our church were gracious to me and they extended to me a six-month sabbatical. I called the summer of 94, the summer from hell. It was horrible because now they are paying me to figure this thing out, to work it out with God and to somehow come to some kind of resolution. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm a wreck. Our church had three services at the time and I Saturday night service to get it over with so that I wouldn't have to go on Sunday. I remember this one weekend, we came to church Saturday, got up Sunday morning, got in my reading chair, got my Bible out, and I've got such a cloud of oppression over my mind, I can hardly breathe, and I'm desperate for a word from God, because back in that season, the only strengthen and help my soul would be a word from God as Ephesians 1 17 speaks about the spirit of wisdom and revelation when the spirit of revelation rests on the word and something comes off the pages that is life giving that's my only source of sanity in this season and so I'm in my reading chair I've got my bible and I'm like please 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 I am desperate for a living from Christ. Nothing is moving. I tried praying in the Spirit. Let's see if we can get the river of God to flow a little bit. Dust bowl. After about three hours of trying to get something moving in the Spirit, I literally threw my Bible on the floor. I said, that is it. If I'm going to hurt this bad, me, 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 self-centered, myopic, my little world of pain. I hate this. If I'm going to hurt 
this bad. My kids are having fun today. I'm taking them to a baseball game. Now you have to understand something about the way I was raised. I was raised in a good Christian home where you honor the Lord's Day. You don't go to baseball games on the Lord's Day. So I've never been to a baseball game on the Lord's Day. In fact, I've never been to a baseball game at all. But I am in so much pain right now that I don't care about the rules. I grabbed my kids. I've got three kids, Joel, Katie, Michael. I grabbed a couple neighborhood kids, threw them into my minivan. My wife didn't want to go with me, so it's just me and the five kids. Off we go to watch the Rochester Red Wings AAA ball team. But I'm like a first-timer in church. Where do you park? How do you get in? Where do you pay? Where are the bathrooms? But I'm trying to be cool, and so I'm like, come on, kids, here we go. And we finally find our way into the stadium. They got their hats, they got their baseball gloves, and I'm in an ornery mood. I'm like, everybody gets Coke. Everybody gets popcorn. Everybody gets a hot dog. And so my kids are sitting there in the stands. It's a mid-August day, summer of 94, 75 degrees, not a cloud in the sky, baseball in America. Katie is sitting next to me, and then the four boys, and I'm sitting there, and the cloud has not moved an inch. I am absolutely miserable. And I start having this conversation, I don't know if it's with God or myself, but I start having this inner conversation that starts like this. Do you even understand where I'm at? They are paying me to come after you right now. I am coming after you with everything I know, everything I've got, and I cannot shake this cloud of oppression over my mind. God, this thing is not working for me. Am I losing my mind? Do you even understand where I'm at? I am with you. I am for you. 
show is in you. It's not over. This is going somewhere. And I'm sitting in the ball game, torn between the two voices, desperately wanting to believe that I am hearing the still, small voice of the Spirit. But this other voice is so loud, so compelling, so real. And as I'm sitting in the ball game, this crazy idea goes through my brain. And I am like, no, I am not asking God if I can catch a baseball as a sign that this is his still small voice, that he loves me, that he's with me, that he's chosen me. I am not asking God for a baseball because, like I said, I was raised too well for that. My parents put it into me from my youth. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You do not do that kind of stuff with God. And so I am not asking God for a baseball. Stop it. And then it kind of changed a little bit and became like this. I wonder if God would let me catch a baseball as a sign that I am hearing his still small voice. He is with me. He's closer than ever. He loves me. He's for me. And I'm just like, this is a bad way to think. And I'm trying to shut this stupid thing off. And I cannot shut this idea off in my head. And my analytical side kicks in and I start calculating my chances. I've never been in a game like this before. What are my chances of catching a baseball? So I'm, you know, pi r squared on the field. I'm, I'm, I'm counting how many people are in the stands. I'm, I'm counting how many balls are being caught. They're not catching baseballs. And besides that, we're under this overhang. There's a set of bleachers above us. A ball couldn't even get here if it wanted to. of the way through the game this guy hits a fly ball with one motion hundreds of people rise to their feet baseball gloves come out of nowhere I've never seen so many baseball gloves in all my life everybody's on their feet reaching for the sky and I'm on my feet with the rest of the fools here comes the ball, obviously not coming my direction. It comes like this. It's a cross beam at the base of the overhang. Careens off it at this bizarre angle. It comes down straight at me. It hit me in my hands, bounced off my chest, and landed in my daughter Katie's lap. There's an old codger sitting in front of me. He turns around and he says to me, I've been coming to this field every week for 25 years. I have never caught a baseball. Katie goes, I got a baseball. I can't talk to her because of this, but I'm looking at her and thinking, that ain't your baseball. That's my baseball. I took that ball and I just held it in my hand and I sat 
the stands. He gave me a baseball. I don't know if you have room in your theology for this, but I'm telling you, God gave me a baseball on a Sunday afternoon. And I don't know if my interpretation is right. I'm just telling you what it meant to me. I'm not finished with you. It's not over. Continue to abide in my love. Live in my word. Give me your heart. And I will finish the story. I've started with your life. I love you. I am for you. I am with you. Just as you accepted Christ Jesus, your Lord, you must continue to live in obedience to him. Let your roots grow down into him and draw nourishment from him so that you will grow in faith. Strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. Let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all he's done. You know, if I... If I If I think about the trials and the things that I've faced in this life and then the times where I've been rooted and the times where maybe my roots haven't been so deep, you know, it's obvious where I look back on my testimony and I see God's working. And, and when the extravagant worship that we can offer Him, whether it's in a corporate setting or our personal lives, in your prayer closets, in your during your your um, time at work, or whatever those are, when you're rooted in Christ, like like He promises, your your worship is extravagant in every in every dynamic that you can face. It's, it doesn't matter about whether it's a, a peak or a valley, you know, in the natural sense. When you're rooted in Christ, there is there is just a profoundness to your worship that is contagious, that is, people see it. Amen? Like, I mean, people see, like, something trying that's in your life, and then all of a sudden you say, somebody from, you know, from the outside says, what, how are you, like, why is this okay? You seem like you're okay with this. And it's because you're rooted in Christ. That's, that's the, that is our source. It says, it says, and draw up nourishment from him. To draw up nourishment from him. So that you will grow in faith, strong and vigorous in the truth that you were taught. Let your lives overflow with thanksgiving for all he's done. That's how, that's how you know, I, I am a huge fan of Bob Sorge. If anybody knows me well enough, you know that I like 
Bob Sorge is an amazing author. He's got an amazing testimony, as you can kind of, he shared a little bit of a snippet of it. Um, but I, I want to share just really a few minutes. Um, and Jim, would you mind just coming up just for a minute? Um, so most of you know, there is, I was trying to think through how this, you know, I, I was wrestling with what to talk about tonight. And, and I watched this video this afternoon, and I just like wept because it was so profound what he was going through. And I, it for, personally for me, you know, there's, there is something in my life right now that I'm, I'm wrestling with, and it's this, this I thing that I just keep, can't get, you know, I, I've, I keep praying. The elders have prayed over me. The pastors have prayed over it just for healing, and I continue to believe that God will do a miraculous work. And, and I remember I was kind of playing it back in my mind, like the verse that landed kind of in my lap when I first found out about this eye where my, you know, been challenged with vision right now with it. And it was this verse, be rooted in Christ. And, and I want to have Jim share just a quick, he had a dream that he didn't know applied. I mean, it was like the same week that it happened, really. Um, and so, I kind of do. So I, why don't you share? Yeah, because I really don't remember I'm the, I'm the type that I like, I get something, I give it, and I get on. <laughs> it's like, you remember something. But I do remember just the essence of the dream was uh, that Jason was in my dream. And he had, they had just moved up here. Uh, they hadn't been up here very long at all. And in that dream, um, I, what I remember most about it was I saw him. I remember praying for him. I, rem- I remember in my dream the presence of the Lord just so evident, so powerful in our midst. And he took off his glasses and threw them on the floor and stepped on them and crushed his glasses. And uh, that was the essence of the dream that I recall at the time. And I thought, what do I do with this? And I knew I would be praying for him. And I, I, it was just an urgency. I said, you, I got to go to his house today. The very next day, I went to his house, and I started sharing the dream, said I wanted to pray for him. I, I thought it had to do with, uh, like, a, a vision for the church or a vision for the ministry, you know, the spiritual connotation of what that looked like, taking off the old, crushing that, getting a new vision uh, for the ministry. And I didn't even know about the eye issue. And all of a sudden, it whole, the whole thing shifted, and God just showed up in his room and really made evident what that dream entailed that I knew nothing about at the time that he was battling that. Yeah, so, so, then, um, so what, I, what I drew from that was just this, you know, the, my glasses in this dream were that they were broken and I couldn't see. I could, you know, and, I, and I think one of the things in the dream I said, uh, we were in kind of a setting where it was, somebody had come and said, would you lead worship? And asked me that and asked Jim if he'd lead in prayer. And, and I looked at my glasses like, like you know, my, my glasses are broke. I can't lead worship. That was, that was my response. And then in his dream, and I was like, oh, it was like so clear to me. Like, I don't need the glasses. I don't need to see in the natural to lead worship in a heartfelt sense. 
sense, and so and, and, and by the Spirit, and and so I came back to this verse. It's like rooted in Christ, established in faith, built up, and 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 so I guess where I want to like shift and 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 um, in this is I don't know what what your your that your uh, thing that's that's distracting you. You know, for, for Bob Sorge in this video, it was his voice. He's just wrestling with God. For me, it was the, my eye. It's just like, oh, I don't know what it is tonight. But I, as I was sitting back, you know, just praying, you know, over us in this room, just that God would start to, to show you how you can be rooted in Christ and not in your circumstance. I guess that's the word for tonight. And, and, and when we do that, that's my heart, then when we do that, when we're rooted in Christ, amazing things start to happen in our corporate setting. You know, to, to break off those things that we've, we've uh, focused on, those, those things that are distracting us, um, whether it's finances or all those, all those things of this world. And so um, we're going to go into another, some more time of worship, but if, I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Jim's going to share a little bit, but then we're going to go into some more worship, um, and then we'll have we'll have some uh, opportunity for you to come forward and just for ministry time, prayer, um, uh, and and to really just try to just to soak in that to seek God first before the, the what you're facing. Yeah. As as Jason was sharing, I, w- I want to try to keep this really quick, so I'll probably talk fast. So. Listen fast if you can. Um, Paul and Silas found themselves in prison. In Acts 16, uh, verse 22, the crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes from them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods, and then they had struck them with many blows. They threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he had received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. About the midnight, but about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. That's the voices. That's the voices that, that Bob Sorge was, was encountering. And, I, and I, was, I just read this a little bit before we came up here, and I said, well, it was at midnight. And, and midnight really represents the darkest point. It's like, you know, that's when it's midnight hour. You know, that's that, that the deep part of the night when things seem like they kind of close in at midnight. And that's kind of what that represents for Paul and Silas in that place of prison. But what were they doing, you know, in that midnight hour? What, what was their response during that season? And it's because of this Colossians verse, they were rooted and grounded. And here they were singing. And praying, not just praying, they're praising. You know the the two forces coming together in their lives at that time, and the and those witnesses are those voices that are coming at you, but they're also the people outside looking in. Oh, I wonder how they're going to handle that. You know, I wonder how they're going to handle the that change in their lifestyle or that that challenge that they're facing. I wonder how they're going to handle it. So it's, it's an interesting concept in this corporate setting, how we get, especially on a Sunday, remember, we got a lot of new people. We got a lot of visitors. They're looking around. They're checking this out, but they're checking us out. 
and they're wondering, okay, what is this? You know, is this real? Are they genuine in their worship? Are they genuine in this place? And the, and the jailers were in this same mode. They're listening to Paul and Silas, and they knew, are they just singing the songs? Or are they really getting, you know, is it real? Are they just praying the words, or is it real? And, and this, you know, and God obviously manifests suddenly. There was the earthquake, and the foundations of the prison, whatever you're going through, God will shake it to the foundation. He won't just take away. He's not just going to touch your eye. He's going to shake away the foundation of whatever it is that, that the enemy is trying to build into, into your life. You know? And so it shakes the foundation and immediately, immediately the doors are open. And, and this all comes out of this whole dynamic of worship and prayer, Paul and Silas together. Praise Community Church. We come together, worship, prayer. What happens? Foundations are shaken. Prayer happens. You know, the Spirit of God begins to move. Signs, wonders, and miracles are going to happen. And in that place, there is um, just... Oh, sorry, buddy. In that place, there's just things that God has in store, but can only happen in that in that dynamic, in that, in that atmosphere of worship. And in this whole time when we wanted to share, uh, two scriptures sort of collided, one from the old, one from the new, where it says in, in Psalm 100, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. And then in Hebrews 4, where it says, I will come boldly before the throne of grace that I might find mercy and grace to help in my time of need. And those two verses collided for me. And he said, that's what happens on Sunday. We enter his gates through worship and praise. We come boldly through worship and praise. You know, everybody wants to be afraid that oh, I'm getting too bold before God or I'm getting, you know, too arrogant before God. If we come with worship and praise into his throne room and we are honoring him, that's the ultimate boldness that we can come with the high praises of God upon our lips and a two-edged sword in our hand. That is our, that, that's our armor. That's our whole process of coming before his presence in that corporate setting. And one more scripture and then we can move on, but in this whole thing, what God is building in us individually in that place of worship and prayer is this. Psalm 133. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like precious oil. <laughs> it's like precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard. There's the leadership coming down upon the edge of his robes. That's actually a prayer shawl in the, in the Hebrew. And it's like the dew of ermine that's abiding upon the mountains of Zion, the people of God. For there the Lord commanded a blessing, life, even forevermore. That's what God is doing here. When we come, we were talking about, you've, we've all heard about climate change, right, in, in the world. God's got climate change in the church. It happens in worship. It happens in prayer. And I wanted to encourage those that would come tonight, be sensitive to the climate change on a Sunday. 
If all of a sudden you feel something lifting and something changing in your, in your senses, you know, things are out that, that is, that is the climate change. That's the atmosphere of God moving in. And don't just say, oh, that's cool. Just go after more. Just totally abandon yourself to him tonight and on a Sunday morning and just, just embrace that change when we sense it coming in and just let it draw deeper worship. That's why he does it is so we can release deeper worship and even more to him. But we want to pray, you know, as, as that atmosphere and that change shifts, it's really a faith atmosphere, and we want to, to pray for people. We got anointing oil up here, because I thought, well, how fitting, you know? We get together, and one of the awesome things about worship is unity, you know? You may not, you know, some people can always, people sometimes pick apart sermons, or they'll pick apart a prayer, but when you start worshiping Jesus, that's just like built-in unity. And if you look at... One more thing. I want to encourage you all. When's the last time you read the book of Revelations of Jesus Christ? Read it. Read it. Read the book of Revelations of Jesus again. Read it. Absorb it. Embrace it. Let go of the symbolic things and gaze upon Jesus there because that is what worship is all about. It's about heaven. It's about heaven and earth. So I wanted to encourage you all to do that.